Hi there. Welcome to WOW Talk. My name is Donna Capacity. And my name is Dr. Darlene Gustin, naturopathic doctor. And today we are going to talk about digestion distress. Definitely. That was quite a mouthful. I don't know why. It <laughs> seems like a tongue twister. Well, it goes by uh, many different names. A lot of people describe their problems as irritable bowel syndrome, or they have Crohn's or celiac or uh, ulcerative colitis or ulcers. So all kinds of digestive problems can happen, and um, they're not fun. No, no. And I know quite a few people that suffer from this sort of thing. Um, So why don't we go down the list? What would you like to start with? Well, I usually describe the digestive system like an assembly line. So there's a tract, the digestive tract, like a tunnel or a hose that goes down and through our body, the winding road of the intestines. Most, Most patients come in with symptoms that have to do with the lower end of their digestion. So they may be having problems with constipation or diarrhea, or they're alternating back and forth. And I explain that the symptom could be at the end of the assembly line, but basically any dysfunction upstream could be the root cause of their digestive symptoms. Yeah, I would imagine exactly that it would start earlier on in the the, uh, assembly line, as you're calling it. So why don't you give us some idea on how we can get to the bottom of something like that? Well, the biggest thing to know is that the digestive system houses our new organ, which is now called the microbiome. So for most of the patients, the answer lies in restoring their bug balance. So an imbalance of that we refer to as dysbiosis, which I translate to my patients as imbalance of the bugs. And previous to that, naturopaths used to refer to it with the word parasites. And we use the life cell microscope to help us see some digestive information and some imbalances about bug health. There are also private labs that do some very excellent quality stool tests that tell us about this. And most patients now know the word probiotics and a lot of patients are on probiotics. And I explained to them that it's like planting grass without ever discussing or addressing, did you kill the weeds? Okay, yeah, that's a really good point. And you're reminding me of the times I would come in and I'm thinking you would have me take walnut or something or something similar to clear out things. You would always say you have to clear it out before you can bring in the good stuff. Exactly, exactly. So I've learned in practice that you have to do things in the right order. So I'll say you have to get rid of what should not be there and then you can put back what should be there. And you're right, black walnut cloves and wormwood is one of the famous herbal recipes that's been around for hundreds of years as an effective way to particularly disinfect the intestines of intestinal worms. But there are various kinds of microorganisms. It doesn't have to be a worm. It could be a bacteria. It could be a fungal. It could be viral. So um, some of the products like oregano oil is referred to as antimicrobial, that it kills a variety of different kind of organisms versus something like an antibiotic that really only addresses bacteria. Okay, so aside from the usual sort of symptoms, either as you were saying, constipation or diarrhea, or just feeling uncomfortable in our tummies, I imagine, 
what would you do then? I, if someone comes into your practice, how do you address it? What do we do from start to finish? So it starts with the case history, and I ask the person if they're noticing if there's any certain foods that trigger any symptoms, and a big clue is the timing. So if somebody has their symptoms in the first 30 minutes after the meals, may have nothing to do with parasites. It might be more a lack of digestive enzymes. So the upper digestive system is the liver, the stomach, and the pancreas, and those organs digest the food, which means that the food is broken down into smaller smaller pieces, so that when it moves along and goes into the small intestine, that's where we absorb the nutrients. So someone with simply weak digestion will have bloating or fatigue or burping or heartburn shortly after the meal, whereas with the bowel symptoms, they could come on hours or even the day after having a food, if the food is a trigger. And and sometimes people can't really pin it down, can't find the trigger. And in those cases, it might be IgG food sensitivities. Okay. All right, then. Um, now, what about some of those more serious things like celiac? How would you find that out? yourself or would this be something that you have to test uh, from the medical like in a lab sort of thing? So something like celiac is usually pre-diagnosed by a medical doctor before I even meet the person and there are a number of people who have problems with gluten that pass the celiac test. So when when a food is harmful to your body it could be based on your blood type, based on an IgA reaction which is celiac, based on an IgE reaction, which is an allergy, or an IgG reaction, which is a food sensitivity. So so those, those last three that I mentioned, those are what I refer to as different departments of the immune system. And every part of your body makes an independent decision about whether a food is, is going to promote inflammation or just be purely beneficial or not. So, so nutrition gets very complicated, very individual to the person. Okay, so when you say food sensitivities, what exactly do you mean? So I'm mostly referring to the IgG foods because if someone has a food allergy, they know before I meet them that if they eat peanuts, they can't breathe. If they drink milk, they get diarrhea. If they drink wine, they get a migraine. But IgG food sensitivity reactions are more ambiguous and the reaction to the food can be hours or days after you ate the food. So if someone has digestive symptoms that are not clearly in a certain pattern in their symptoms, or uh, of course I do the physical exam as well, then I'll send them out for the IgG test and um, and find out which foods are, are causing the symptoms. That is wild to think that you could eat something one day and not experience the symptoms till a few days later that would be really difficult to pinpoint so when you send someone out that is a medical doctor sort of test is that what you're saying you send it out or do no what, I, what I send that? it out through a lab it's a private lab so it's oh. simply not covered by OHIP the the government supported medical system it's a private lab that oh, okay. does this and I send them out to the lab and the lab will draw the blood and then that blood gets mailed to the specialty lab and the results are available a few weeks later. 
Okay, I see. I just wasn't quite following. I didn't know if it meant you have to then go back to your medical doctor, your family doctor, get a requisition from them. And I was trying to understand how that uh, worked together, how that coordinated. Okay, then. Um, is there anything else that you would like to cover along this topic? Digestive enzymes matter a lot at the top of the digestive system. They decline with age, so we make about half the volume of digestive enzymes by the time we're about age 50. And it's worse for us in the winter because all the food that we're eating has been picked green, preserved, frozen, imported, and that greatly affects the enzyme quality of our food. So digestive enzymes, if, if you have deficiency of enzymes, those are the ones that you'll have the symptoms in the first 30 minutes of the food. And on our microscope in the live cell microscopy, we'll often find indicators of weak digestion far earlier than the patient feels them. So there's this blind spot where I can see that about you, but you don't feel it yet. And then there's the patient who does feel it as general digestion symptoms shortly after eating. And then if it gets worse with time, it can even get to the point where you physically see food in the stool. So little pieces of red pepper or shreds of lettuce or little pieces of nuts. So it's, it's you know, many shades of gray on this topic of how weak is your digestion. Wow, wow, that is so fascinating. What are enzymes exactly? What are they? Great question. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. I'm assuming people know. Um, enzymes are proteins, generally, and their job is to break things to break things into smaller pieces, break other chemicals into smaller pieces to digest, to you know um, make it into a, a piece that can be used to reassemble and make something else in the body. But enzymes can also facilitate a chemical reaction to kind of transform one hormone or food into something else or something different. Okay, now I understand that you offer supplements that are digestive enzymes. I don't know if supplements and enzymes should go together, but I mean, I've seen they come in a pill form or correct. something, correct? Okay. Yes, yes, Could they do. Could you explain do. what that is and how they can help us if we need such a thing? Definitely. So, so if I see that the person is not fully digesting their food, there are enzymes that come in a supplement form that people can take. Also, prior to supplements being so widely available, people used to use what are called bitters. And yes, yeah. I've heard of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the way bitters work is that they inspire your digestive organs to step it up a bit and make release more digestive enzymes so that you can digest the food. And there are also a lot of lifestyle things that can help. For instance, chewing is the first thing that you can do to start a good digestive process. So, so to take your time eating and to fully chew your food into a pulp before you swallow it. Or not having fluids before or during a meal. So if you're thinking about having a great burger or something yes. <laughs> plant-based or not <laughs> and you're thinking oh I'm gonna have my favorite dinner tonight and you're thinking about it and then you see it and then you smell it and it's you're setting the table your brain is already preparing itself and telling your stomach to go make some enzymes and this little puddle of digestive enzymes is waiting in your stomach for you to eat the burger 
And the worst thing you can do is go guzzle a drink of water and just wash those enzymes away. Wow. That is so interesting. Yeah. So so I generally do not drink when I eat or I'll just sip a little bit, especially if the food is dry, to just make sure I digest well. I yeah. I you know, I had heard before. I I always thought it was maybe just I don't want to say a wives tale, but I'd heard, oh, it's better not to drink with your meal. So that leads me to, what if you like that glass of wine while you're eating dinner? Does it help if you eat a little bit first and then sip the wine or the Perrier or whatever it is that you would like to have with your dinner? This is really interesting. It's not a problem. Sipping, Sipping is the key word there. So sipping throughout the meal to just add to the general moisture content of the meal is fine. But it's more about drinking four or more ounces of any fluid just prior to eating the meal is uh is it can take away from digestion wow i keep saying wow in this whole interview here i find that so 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 interesting that just smelling it and being prepared um, mentally physically for the dinner or whatever it is that you're about to eat there's one more lifestyle thing that is really fun when i see that someone's not a good digester i give them options do you want to take these bitter tasting drops? Do you want to supplement? Do you want to change how you eat? And part of that is having your biggest meal of the day, midday, in between 12 and 2 o'clock, because on the body clock, that's when your enzyme production is at its peak. And then that you would have the smaller, earlier dinner before your enzymes shut down for the day. But also in the world of food combining, there's the recommendation of separating carbs from fat and protein. So protein and fat, who are digested primarily by your liver and stomach, are best digested in an acidic environment. Versus carbs, who are digested by your pancreas, are better digested in an alkaline environment. So as soon as you put your burger on the bun, or your meat with your potatoes, you're mixing carbs and protein and your body will have to choose a middle ground with the pH and it could reduce the digestion of everybody in that meal. I would so love to revisit what you just talked about in another episode where we discuss weight loss ideas because you are reminding me of that book called Fit for Life back I think it was the 70s and that is exactly what they talked about. And to also uh, revisit what you said about eating your bigger meal between 12 and 2 or earlier in the day, I discovered that um, on a trip I took to Europe years ago that I was eating that way. I was there for quite some time and I got into that lifestyle habit of eating my bigger meal at lunch and then a very light meal at dinner. And I will tell you that I did lose a considerable amount of weight. I was ready to at the time, but it happened naturally. And there was no dieting whatsoever. I drank a lot of water too. However, not with the meal, clearly, or I wouldn't (laughs) have been digesting it properly. But that is really interesting. I can't say it enough through this whole topic. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And for all of you, thank you very, very much for listening. If you have any questions for Dr. Gustin, please uh, let us know, write to us. 
uh, let us, uh, yeah, we'd be very happy. Uh, Dr. Gustin would be so happy to answer them. Absolutely. And, and also, there's an art to knowing which diet's going to work for you. So I'll, I'll tell people it's not just what you eat. It's, it's what you eat followed by what you digest followed by what you absorb that gives you the final end product of health. Okay, great words. Thank you very much, and thank you to all of you, and bye for now. Bye.